Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the True Story FM Entertainment Podcast Network. And I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here for Maria Hill's Handbrake Slide. (laughs) Very nice. Today we're talking about Minute 10, which begins with a blocked tunnel and ends with an exploding base. Joining us on the show today is Justin Yeager. Justin, hello. JJ, hi. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Uh, We're thrilled uh, to be talking about this explosive minute here of the movie. Uh, Very early on, and we're already blowing things up. (laughs) Can't happen fast enough, I always say. (laughs) Uh, JJ, uh, coming into this uh this show this season uh welcome first of all and thanks uh talking about the avengers now that we're kind of hitting the end of phase one let's just talk a little bit about your history with with the avengers and this film um where were you like do you remember when this movie came out were you there opening day were you excited about this build-up that they had uh leading into this you know movie with the whole team how did how did uh this hit you that's such a good question. And I think that, you know, I think that had there not been, what, 20 million Marvel movies, <laughs> Something it like might that. be easy for me to place where I was at this time. But it all seems to be a little bit of a time warp. I know that for me, if I think about the progression of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that this movie felt like, oh, I knew they were doing these individual movies, but now they're going to bring it all together. And I know that happened a little bit before this movie came out. I, I know that the plans, you know, and the and the purchase, the, the Disney sort of taking over Marvel and moving into this realm, I knew it was kind of moving this direction, but it kind of made it a reality of something that I wanted to happen when when all the comic book movies started coming out, you know, and, and the X-Men universe before we got into the MCU and that kind of stuff. This is... As a comic book collector as a kid, this is exactly what I had dreamed of. So I know I had a lot of anticipation for this kind of movie saying, oh, they're really going to do it. Or, or at, you know, before we saw the execution of everything, they're really going to try it because that's <laughs> that's what I wanted. So I know that I know that I felt that way. But but what year did this come out? The 2012. Anyways, the 2000, 2012. Uh, tough year. Tough year. <laughs> <laughs> I know I saw it uh, right away, and I know uh, it 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 did fulfill my expectations. Um, it it was the kind of movie that I wanted it to be, and so I was really happy that it came together for all those uh, reasons that I mentioned. And have you found that as you revisit the films of the uh, of the MCU, do you find that this one still holds up, or or do you feel like it like it's not maybe not as good as it is compared to like later Avengers films? Well, that I think is a very astute question because I think that it did satisfy all those expectations then. But going back and looking at it, there are moments, there are minutes, there are there are Marvel movie minutes in the <laughs> Avengers that I love. Uh-huh. But it really feels like they were exploring what to do with this collaboration or or bringing all these things together here and it really doesn't feel like the tightness or the specialness that i have in the later things it doesn't hold up in the same way that it does in my heart i guess when i rewatch sure 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 like it holds up with nostalgia's weight on it but as a movie it's a little loose right yeah yes yeah And, and, and i will say i mean one of my favorite scenes in the entire Marvel universe is the puny God scene later at the end. And I know you're going to get there sure. eventually yeah. with this. <laughs> and that holds up in my brain and in my heart and in everything. And I, you know, my kids and I go back and we watch it on YouTube just to see that happen. <laughs> but the whole thing as a, 
uh, a finished piece is not as tight and as wonderful as some of the stuff that comes later in the MCU. Sure, sure. Well, and uh, you know that's actually an interesting perspective to take because I suppose there is that element of once we've had this, like once this came out in 2012, then it was there. And that was kind of like it had set a new bar. And so for Kevin Feige and everyone that he brought on to kind of continue, they needed to kind of keep raising that bar. They didn't want to kind of fall below it. And so this was a great bar for them to set in 2012, knowing that their goal was always to achieve more beyond that. You know, it's uh, I I totally agree that this is the foundational piece. And what I look at it as now going in back is like, oh, it's kind of like Thor's eyebrows in the first Thor movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't movie. remember that that was there. But oh, it's so much better now. <laughs> so this movie is the Thor's eyebrows uh, of, of the, the MCU. MCU. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's canon. Wow. That is, that is so funny. It well is there. Said. For sure. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's awesome. uh, let's start digging into this minute a little bit. So we're we're coming into this right in the middle of this uh, this pursuit uh, in the tunnels. Well, it's it, the pursuit is largely over because, as we just saw, Loki blew up the um, his own guy's car. This was the the <laughs> the agent that he had turned who was following him. He blew up his car. Now he didn't kill him. I, I kind of we didn't talk about that in the last minute, but he blows out the passenger side of the car, and then the car crashes and flips. Theoretically, I suppose his agent is still following him, you know, uh, religiously and then is going to die here shortly, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I think it's really funny. He shoots this guy and now his car is flipped over and blocking all the pursuers. And so now they essentially have a way out and you get this great shot of Loki looking very smug, pleased with himself. Yeah, very smug. Uh, uh, JJ, you uh, you talked with us on the Thor um, uh, yeah. Well, we did Thor a little bit, but uh, what, where do you land with Loki and the way that he's portrayed here in this film? At that, I'm really happy that you asked that because Loki ends up, and again, we're doing this in context of knowing where the where the universe goes. So, sure, sure. So yeah. Loki, Loki's character arc over the course of the entire MCU is one of my favorites, and honestly, where he ends up as a character is so special to me so watching this minute in particular where he has this you know sinister pleased (laughs) with himself kind of thing it's like oh yeah he was like the first big bad that they ever introduced in the marvel things and and they retouch on that in later movies too but it's really hard for me to gather that feeling right of in this movie he is uh, almost none but sinister throughout right when he's mind controlling repeated humans and all these things and it's it's interesting for me to to get back in that mode of oh yeah you know we're supposed to dislike him right now <laughs> yeah yeah because, done a hell of a and hiddleston, yeah and hiddleston is such a likable actor too it's just like I'm so he's one of the characters that I'm most excited for for the future of the MCU. So it's it's weird to see that and remember remember how it initially felt looking at him. I think he makes a great big bad though. I mean he he has range. He can be sinister and likable. I mean it's pretty wonderful to see him on screen. And was this this was the big year for Hiddleston, right? Like I have to look now. I think this was the year. uh, No, it was right the year before the year of Thor. He also did Midnight in Paris, where he was F. Scott Fitzgerald. He was in uh, The Deep Blue Sea. He was in War Horse. So, uh, yeah, he had all of those hitting in the same 
period, and then leading right into this. So it was a very, very busy time for him as an actor in a variety of roles. I mean, uh, I, I think Loki is obviously his most devious of them, and then some yeah. Yeah, some fairly nice characters. But yeah, it's, it's nice to see that he was, uh, that people were discovering him all at the same time. Have you guys seen the YouTube clips of him, actually, because he was first going out for Thor? No. 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 Yeah. So he went out for Thor first and then they, and then they decided that he'd be Loki through the process. And I think it's so interesting to think of how different his career would be if they chose him for Thor. I, I think they chose completely well. Mm-hmm. I think they did the exact right thing in the way they cast that. And I think in the YouTube clip that I watched, like Tom agreed, right? He said, you, have to put Hemsworth as Thor. There's no competition there. But he's just so, you mentioned that being such a great year for him. This becomes a a transformational year for him as an actor, because now he is not only this legendary serial character through the MCU, but all these other great films and things that he's doing. I think it's, it's really wonderful for him. It's actually fascinating. It works so much. I can't even imagine him thinking I am right for Thor. <laughs> well, you know, every every actor in their head goes, oh, I'm totally, I, they could totally make me Thor. Like, I, oh, every Andy, actor. I'm right for Thor. I mean, I See, could put is. Thor in my head. God. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to be Thor. Yeah, I want to be, be Thor, but I don't see myself as Thor in any way. Yeah, yeah. Are you I not mean, the god of microphones? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so Loki is obviously, you know, he's very pleased with himself. He's blowing things up in the tunnel, and and they are no longer being pursued. And, uh, you know, we get a few other shots of just destruction. The the Tesseract energy, of course, is still bubbling up in the ceiling, doing whatever it's doing. We're still unsure as to like, what's really going on with this thing. Uh, you get a quick shot of Fury running out and all sorts of pipes falling out of the ceiling. Uh, it is a, a great little moment of devastation at this place. And then you get a, a shot that just cracks me up of Coulson and some men uh, trying to carry some, uh, like a, a a dolly full of cases, like pelican cases, down a set of stairs, and they all <laughs> they all fall over and drop all the cases down the stairs. And it's 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 a perfect example of just one of those shots where they're just like the cameraman's just wiggling the camera a little bit just to make it look like you know things are happening. Yeah, and it cracks me up. Well, right. I I also think the. Uh, I, I think there's like you you skip over the pipes falling, which I think is kind of an important production design choice because those pipes, it doesn't appear that they're connected to anything. <laughs> no, it and doesn't. I find that I find that amusing. Like that is are they is that like the storage center for loose pipes and ladders? Because they just there's nothing comes out of them. Nothing is there's there's no additional smoke. I find that funny. And then when we get to Colson and we have these SWAT team people who are trying to get the cases down uh, down these stairs when there are clearly some administrative people right behind them who should be doing this job. SWAT team people should not be carrying boxes. That's what is good. They don't manage dollies. And so all of this is funny. And that's why, for me, Colson saying, just stop, just stop. I'm tired of you all. <laughs> Go get out. That's what I hear. <laughs> I think he's really well, good. Well, little did you know, those pipes and those boxes were the only thing holding that building <laughs> together. <laughs> that's, that was that, it. it you, you, they didn't really, that, that was a show and not a tell of like, when these things fall <laughs> over, you need to Everything go. Goes. Right, 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 right. <laughs> 
Can I say the thing that I find so incredibly mesmerizing that I've probably watched this thing like dozens of times now? It's it's in the shot of the stairs when Coulson and all the the people are falling. The light in the ceiling explodes, and it's got all the great sh- the the sparks shooting down and everything. But then it has this interesting ring of smoke that emanates from it and just crawls across the ceiling around it. And it's, it's, I don't know, like 10, 11 seconds into this minute. And I just, I find it so weirdly peaceful to just watch this, this smoke circle just kind of expanding across the ceiling at its own pace. Like, I just, I kind of. I'm never going to unsee it. Uh, that's amazing. I kind of love it. It's a whole, it's, just, it's a whole new ASMR for Andy. It is. Totally I really watch it. the smoke <laughs> move across the screen. I like that kind of stuff. Like the, my first favorite movie ever was Backdraft, and I love uh, the play with fire and that kind of stuff. So I totally recognize what you're talking about, but I did not see the smoke. So that's interesting. I'm going to go back and look for it now. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things. Um, so we're, you know, we're getting shots of everybody in the process of getting out. We've got we cut back to. Uh, Clint driving, and we see Selvig in the passenger seat. And then, out of a side tunnel, because, of course, you need to have side tunnels in your escape tunnel, uh, Maria Hill pops in and uh, pulls in in front of them. We had seen that she had gotten into a Jeep and was chasing, but we had never seen her since, until this moment. And now we know why, because she was in this escape tunnel. She does a maneuver. She's in front of them. And then she spins her Jeep around. She does the little handbrake trick, spins her Jeep, and then drives backwards so that she and Clint can shoot at each other. How does this, uh, as as far as car uh, stunt scenes go, how does it play for you? So when I watched the minute the first time, I, uh, you know, when we first talked about scheduling this, I thought uh, I was I was I was remembering that this was exciting and this was this was neat. And then I just came back from a work trip. I was in Salt Lake City, and on the way back, I watched the movie Atomic Blonde, <laughs> and oh. um, which I'm a, I'm a I'm a major fan of that movie. I mean, I literally could just have it on the background and check it out. The car chase in Atomic Blonde is wild and exciting, and I and now watching this one back today, I was like, oh, you know, they spin around, they do a couple. Things. <laughs> right. So right. So in the context of your question, it 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 is great and wonderful and neat that they should shoot it that way but in comparison to some of the other great car chases it it's not as wonderful as i would hope it's pretty tame yeah yeah that's what i mean like tame is a good word for it yeah well and i think this is where i was landing with this because i was thinking about this is a big action film and it's going to have a number of set pieces over the course of the story and my brain anytime i'm thinking of that sort of film that starts with a pre-credits action sequence like we're watching here my brain always goes to the james bond franchise because they tend to have these great action sequences at the start don't necessarily always tie into the story but it's some action sequence they're doing some crazy stunts and then we get into the story and then we have a number of set pieces throughout the film that kind of continually get better and better and better when i see this as kind of our opening action sequence uh, and I know it's it's a fantasy sequence. There's a lot of other stuff that we're dealing with as far as the Tesseract and Loki jumping around and stuff. But I end up feeling like this is really tepid as far as what I'm getting out of an action sequence. Like they could have done something really interesting in this escape tunnel. I mean, uh, we talked about tunnels yesterday, thinking about something like Sicario, which had a fantastic tunnel chase. And I just I when I see this, I feel like, gosh, this is all they do with this. And I end up feeling a little disappointed that it's just this little Jeep maneuver that we get, which lasts less than this minute because she flips around, 
they shoot at each other a few times. And then I'm not even sure why she suddenly ends up switching back. I don't know. It seems like Clint is, I don't know if he's suddenly going faster and she can't keep up. And so she spins back around. I'm not exactly sure, but suddenly she just decides I'm going to just spin back around and chase you again. And that's kind of it. It's really, I don't know, kind of flat. And so it left me a little disappointed as I've rewatched it a number of times. Well, I like the idea, too, that you mentioned that maybe the, the, within the film itself that the set pieces are going to grow in intensity. But I would, you know, one of the minutes that we talked about in the last movie in Captain America was the escape uh, in the big Hydra vehicle. And that even looked slicker, more interesting, more wild, a bigger moment. And that's just in the last movie. So yeah. you wonder if opening up with this, if that maybe either it wasn't needed or it needed something more. It's one of those two things. And uh, and I'm not sure. I, I agree that the context of her switching back around seems lost. Like, it, it's really difficult to understand why that's happening in terms of the chase. You know, it, it actually, I'm really glad you brought up Captain America because that's the that that's where my mind went to. In terms of chases that in my head are amazing, but on screen are uh, short and underwhelming. The one that Andy and I, you know, we went back and forth on was the motorcycle chase through the woods in Captain America. I think it's great. And also to his <laughs> point, it's really short and kind of yeah. crazy. Like, like it, it, that was snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. They had something great and they did something less great with it. And I think that's where we are too. But uh, with, with this movie and this particular scene, but to your point, Andy, this, this is, to me, about how efficiently and how quickly can we get to the implosion of the NASA dark energy research facility, because that's when the movie starts, right? We have to get to the tragedy quickly, and we've already wasted two minutes in the the Loki hands the scepter pre-show thing, who knows, you know, that we've complained about before. And so I this just feels like the focus is on the escape and not so much on, you know, acrobatics of cars, because they they could have done they could have done something had that been their intention, I I think. But, you know, again, just in the same amount of time, they could have given us a Casino Royale level yeah. intro that was escaping this facility in a way that made it that much more gripping and entertaining. And I know. This is a particular point in the film where there are no superheroes involved. This is just S.H.I.E.L.D. agents escaping. I mean, granted, we have Loki as our supervillain, but he's, you know, he's shooting some people with his staff, but largely he's just, I don't know, we were, we were wondering again why he's, he seems to be playing it so weak in the back of the the vehicle, uh, JJ. I'm not sure if that's something that you noticed, but when he gets into the back of the Jeep or the Hummer, he, he seems like worn out like i'm not sure if the if the scepter is draining him or something but it just it was strange so so he's kind of out so it's not like iron man is involved in this flight so it just ends up being spies basically trying to do an escape and so maybe that's why they were trying to make it a more human level of escape as opposed to what we'd get later and what we've learned is humans are boring i think that's what we've just decided Yeah, well, yeah, move it along, they, humans. Maybe. That's not yeah, why we're right. here. <laughs> That's right. Get out of the way. Yeah. We've got some superheroes coming. Exactly. Is this the uh, only time, and you guys would know more than me, I, it, it probably isn't, but it feels like Hawkeye using a gun is a, is something. It's That's not normal no, for the MCU. No, and it's strange that he's using it. it we've been talking about that since he... Uh, since he pretty much came down from his hawk's nest because he doesn't bring his quiver. We're not even sure if his quiver is sitting up there or somewhere. He yeah. wasn't 
the the fact that Loki showed up wasn't planned, so it's not like he was walking around armed all the time uh, with it. But it is weird that he walks around with his gun holstered all the time, but he doesn't have his arrows all the time. And so it is very strange. We've been wondering about that quite a number of, uh, quite a few days now, a few episodes, as to why is he just shooting with a gun and doesn't have his, his arrows with him. Well, and then the other thing about Hawkeye, which we're going to end up talking about in a later minute, is that Hawkeye doesn't miss. Like, that's supposed to be the thing about Hawkeye. So the fact that this is happening in the way that it is, is is potentially contrary to character or potentially a story point, um, which, you know, we'll talk about in later minutes, too. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think there's potentially... It's 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 tricky because there is something that we'll talk about in the future in a deleted scene where um, where Fury says something. And so I, I am exactly. curious. Yeah, I'm curious about about that. But to your point, though, he may not miss, uh, but he should be hitting something more than nothing. You know, I mean, he can be <laughs> he can, he's, he's hitting a whole lot of nothing in that yeah, scene for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very strange. Um, we go from that. So now uh, Hill spins around and now she's pursuing them as they race out of the tunnel. And uh, uh, Fury makes it to the chopper. I just really wanted uh, Colson to say, get to the chopper. <laughs> really, really wanted that. Uh, but they're all safe. Uh, I, I don't know. This chopper pilot is amazing to just sit here as long as he or she is waiting for fury who i i don't know if they know that fury's actually coming but they sit there waiting with the ground like literally buckling underneath the helicopter it's like it's really funny that uh there's no sign like i would like to have had some radio communication from fury or something like i'm on my way hold the chopper or something so that this poor chopper pilot actually knows I don't know. It's just one of those little things as you watch this too many times. Like, does this person know that Fury's actually running out the door at this point? Right. That's bold, uh, bold sacrifice, bold soldiering. Yes. For sure. Right. Yeah. But Fury does get in. They fly away and everybody ends up making it out as the the whole ground in our uh, facility uh, buckles underneath the helicopter. You see it kind of bubbling up and then uh, kind of, I don't know, as you said yesterday, Pete, it's kind of the innie and the outie. You're, you're getting a little bit, uh, it's sucking itself down and it's pushing itself out. What do you think of this explosion? Do you like it? I mean, yeah, I was going to say in, in context of the way that the Tesseract energy finally blows, I think that it's really cool. Uh, I don't know. What, what would you describe the way that it's like all the energy? It's almost like going, um, what's it? What's the... Um, I want to say supernova, but I'm not really, I don't think that's the right term, but there's the, when the star gets so big, it turns into a, a like the giant and then it shrinks down into the little tiny yeah. thing and then sucks into a black hole or whatever. It's like that sort of cool effect where all of this energy sucks into this tiny little ball and goes completely quiet, which is really cool, and then blows up. I think that's cool. I really like the way it plays. Yeah, we have this like concussive uh it- this this concussive experience in the middle of it before it becomes combustion around the outside and you see other things start start to explode and cause fire as the as the building starts to cave in on itself i think it's really cool i like the way they put the shockwaves under the building coming out radially uh as far out as outside the circumference of the of the building itself i think it's it it i think it's a great destruction to give us to some tragedy uh for you know, for them to escape from. I think that all works. And so we talk about the the chase leading to this. This was rewarding enough for me. 
this experience was rewarding enough for me. Well, and conceptually, it's like the Big Bang, right? Yeah. It's like, that's the idea. We don't know, but that's what we assume had happened with the Big Bang. So it's this idea artistically of like, if you bring it all together, it's got to explode. There's only one way to do it. I almost think that um, the crumbling or the as the everything gives way that it really looks like volcanic, where it looks mm. like the blue energy is kind of like this magma under the surface. And it's just everything's falling into it as like this, like uh, this volcanic sinkhole. And I think that grand that tectonic looks, swallowing, right? That looks pretty cool, for sure. It is one of those um, moments that does make you wish that we didn't have to just talk about this minute because we we're, we're like right at the cusp of all the stuff blowing up and we're going to get a little bit more of it in the next minute. But it's it's very cool to see like what is happening to the ground. I like I love the shot, the aerial shot over as the helicopter flies away and you see the the facility as as everything kind of goes up and down and and it's it's very much that earthquake ground shaking all the fireballs everywhere i mean it's it's a great shot the way they constructed it i just part of me wishes it wasn't so dark because you know it's the middle of the night so it's, it's very like, dark it's a little yeah. hard to see but it's probably easier to do the effects that way well and you know one of the other really satisfying i think anxiety inducing bits of a of a running from this kind of a thing is watching the trucks as the concussion ripples toward them behind them, like they're trying to outrun the wave of ground. And you see right at the end of this minute as Colson is in the truck and he's kind of bouncing around. I find that fantastic. Like just being able to time that effect. So they put it so that you can really feel like they're actually outrunning something that could swallow them. It could fall back into that is a great anxiety falling off of edges of roads, cliffs, whatever. I don't love driving near sharp drops and this captures that so um bully for colson for getting away he had a good driver <laughs> as far as we know we don't even know if he got away that's right not in this minute well, we don't. that's right we'll have to wait mm -mm. we'll have to wait I feel like it has become like a, a very effective cinematic tool that you see. I mean, it's it's the same thing that you see. You know, I'm, my brain just goes back to Star Wars when the Death Star blows up and it's like, did did the Millennium Falcon, did they all make it out of the explosion? And then they pop out of the explosion, you know, just on, they're on the fringes of it and they right. burst out. And that's exactly it's, it's, it. Yeah, it's always a thrill to kind of see that sort of thing. And and obviously filmmakers, you know, it when you have. Uh, it just it gives more energy to your project. I mean, if they got away uh, five minutes ahead of the explosion, it takes a little bit of the energy and the excitement out of the film. So having it like right on the lip of it as it's going down, that's the way to do it. And it, it makes for a fun time. Just like they did in Tremors. I know you love Tremors real, real <laughs> Just <bad>. like <laughs> Hey, Tremors is a great film. I can't it's speak for the film. sequels, but the first film is fantastic. <laughs> totally. Well, all right. So, so the ground is buckling and everything's falling apart. That's pretty much where we end things here. Um, any last thoughts from either of you about anything going on in this minute? Just, I, I wonder who makes it out alive. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're not going to know. We don't, we don't know the scope of this explosion. It could be. Nope. They all might get sucked in. This might be the end of the of shield. And this is why the Avengers have to come and avenge shield, Pete. That's right. It's, it's very meta. <laughs> they're going to write a comic about it. Always seems like the weirdest name for a supergroup to me. The Avengers? The Avengers. It's almost like, you know, we got to let something... We're, what do they mention it in? Is that the Infinity War where it's like, we're not the pre-Avengers? Exactly. <laughs> we're not the weird... We're the weird two-laters. <laughs> yeah. 
We're like, we're like, oops, we should have done something about we, that. We but didn't stop right. anything. Yeah, here we are now. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. JJ, remind me, did you read the Avengers comics? Yeah, I had a subscription for a while, but uh, the the years that I had it were in the mid eighties, early to mid eighties, and really. The interesting stuff that happened in it is sort of far removed from anything they've used in the movies. A lot of it is being hinted at now, moving into the new phases of the MCU, stuff with like using Hercules and the sort of the the more sort of god, demigod type things later on in the story. And a lot of mind control is very prevalent in the stuff that's happening there. But really in the the Greek god stuff, that's when I had the the subscription. So this the MCU and the way that they've introduced the Avengers was really sort of a, um, uh, I don't want to say a purist, but they really tried to start from the beginning with the the characters that were at the original parts of the IP. For the most part, exactly, not not how they were in the, in the story, but, but using those characters to begin. And so I'm really interested to see where it goes, especially now that we start seeing these other characters being introduced in cutscenes and stuff like this, because that's the Avengers that I know, the later Avengers. The, 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 the Captain Marvel that's going to be introduced in, in, the, uh, in the Marvels, that was the Captain Marvel that I grew up with, which is the Monica Rambeau in Captain Marvel. So you've got all these different things. And I think it's, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with it next, because I, I just don't really have any idea. I'm not, I'm not spoiled for what the next phases are going to be like. Um, I'm excited that this is the way they started, but I'm really excited to see what they do next. If you could pick your, your Avengers team, the cinematic Avengers Ooh. team, who would you, who would you use to build it? Gosh, that is a great question. Um, well, and now you say that now I, we're just talking characters, right? Yeah, yeah, but like, right. like my, so, and they've introduced this character at the end of the Eternals. So Black Knight, you're the second person to bring him up, yeah. A lore around Black Knight, and I, I'm very excited to see what they do with that character because the way that they're introducing him and the 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 other character because they have blades surrounding him, right? So they have they have that's like late in the Black Knight IP in the Mar- in the in the book universe. So the Black Knight that I know is earlier, but he led the Avengers for the ones that I that I was in. So it was like Black Knight and Hercules and She-Hulk and all these people, all the people that are just kind of starting to get their legs now. So I would start with it around Black Knight and around the lore that he has, because I feel that he's such a layered character and that there's so much interesting about what can happen with him, um, that that's where I would begin and then kind of do the stuff around them. I, you know, so many people like my, my oldest son's favorite character is Iron Man. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know, and, and I love what they did with him on screen. But in the books, he was always just kind of like this guy. Like I, I almost think that we got we got the West Coast Avengers right in in what we have because sure. we have Hawkeye, we have Scarlet Witch, we have Iron Man. Those guys were all out on the West Coast. Right. Like, I right, want right. I want these other Avengers. So uh, yeah, I think that's a really good question. And Black Knight is where I would start. Okay, oh, that's, that's fascinating. Exciting. Black yeah. Knight represents a complete void in my comic knowledge. I think I remember calling you after I saw that teaser at Eternals. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> um, it just means nothing to me. So I'm, I'm like you, for different reasons, very curious yeah. uh, what is going on. Because, the, I mean, the least favorite, my least favorite parts of, uh, like, uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder were involving the gods and Zeus and uh, all of that stuff. It was just, I, I really didn't like the handling of that. And so... Uh, introducing Hercules and all these other characters, I just don't. I, it's a it's a wash for me. I don't understand what they're doing. So. Yeah. Well, and 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 Feige is going to need a lot of. Gosh, I would. The word that was coming up in my head was foresight. It's not about foresight. It's just 
depth because all of these characters are not as simple as the characters that you see in the original Avengers yeah. movie here. They're, these these ones that we started with are, are kind of, and I don't mean base as a negative, they're just very standard. You can get where they are, you can understand them quickly on screen. These other characters, just like you're talking about, Pete, like understanding the levels of Black Knight and understanding this, there's much more to be told. And we see that in the She-Hulk series, right? There, it, there's such yeah. a intricate story that needs to be presented for us to understand these later character motivations from these earlier ones. So um, I think the opportunity is great, but it's also a big challenge. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, just look at what they're, I, for me, uh, Gore the God Butcher, I think was one that, I, better in the comic. <laughs> but I'm sure, but, but yeah. it feels to me like the depth, the range that is possible in that character. We're, we're approaching what could make a really, really interesting film around some of these ideas of loss and parenting and what it means to grieve and guilt and all of that so and all curious. he got what did he get eight eight minutes of screen right. time and he was the, the film's main villain yeah and like, his main on. scream was cut right like right yeah, yeah. frustrating uh we've got a long time before we get to that one yeah so. thank god yeah I'm have to simmer <laughs> down yes indeed indeed <laughs> well jj it has been a thrill uh so thank you so much for joining us again Thank you. Thanks for having me. Remind everybody, uh, you've, you're part of the True Story uh, FM Entertainment Podcast Network. What uh, what are some of the shows that uh, you've been a part of over there? Well, th- traditionally, I've been a big part of the film board, and, and we have ideas, and we have some interesting things on the horizon for that potentially coming back. We've also done Trailer Re- Rewind, which is taking a bit of a hiatus right now, but those shows in the sort of the, the old cache of what we have, there's a lot of interesting films there that you may not know or may not have access to um, that are streaming, that are fun to check out so uh, take a look at those shows and look for new things from us on the horizon with the, the film board and others fantastic all right well that's it for today we'll be back next week to talk minute 11 so pete thanks as always once more into the ripple my friend once more <laughs> into the ripple love it until next time true believers Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>